Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Koshak goes down, penalty to Portsmouth and Old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Koshak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores yes. for Pompey. They lead at Old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamalo's onside, the flag stayed down, Jamalo, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Welcome along to episode 7 and of course Happy New Year to you all. Thank you very much for joining us again. Three Lads in the Pub. My name's Liam Howes. We've got Ryan Stilwell the Viking and Jeff Harris aka the Soldier. That's what it says on the description anyway. And it still says American football. I'm trying to fix that but I give up. Because What's what? the reasoning behind that appearing? I, I don't know. I think it was what I what I did initially um, when, I, when, I, when I you know started making the platforms and stuff. I selected American fo- football for some strange reason. Whatever, let's just roll with it. Um, but yeah, we get, we get, we get, it gets mentioned to us every week, but we'll get there. Uh, hi, Jeff. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, happy new year to you. And you. Good to be back. Uh, we are this evening in the Artillery Arms down in Milton. Right, let's uh, let's get the uh, nitty-gritty bits out of the way. What have we gone for, then, beer-wise? Uh, I've gone for Cronenberg, so I'm not feeling 100%. And I've just, uh. I just went for something that... I know, but I'm not really enjoying it. Yeah, should have gone for a couple of, you know, maybe a fruity cider or something like that, Jeff. Could have, Because yeah. I'm certainly enjoying mine. <laughs> Ryan, I chose yours. You did. <laughs> uh, I, I was speaking to Jeff at the time, and I just uh, uh, shouted at you to get me a guest ale. So I've ended up with a cherry stout, uh, which I'm quite enjoying. Yeah, good. I, I mean, I can't claim I'm some sort of, you know, ale expert, but yeah, I'm glad, that, uh, glad you're enjoying it. Right, so this is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> expect to be talking about a game we haven't had one for uh, four games have been postponed now for Pompey it's been a bit um, crap isn't it really Uh, no football on Um, obviously mass postponements throughout the the league Premier League League 1 League 2 Championship all over the place so it's been a bit uh, bit difficult Um, 
but a game to look forward to uh, obviously at the time of this it'll be tomorrow for us Jeff Cambridge away finally get a game on yeah and and it can go one or two ways can't it? It, it, it we've had four games off now some of the squad have come back you know Tunnicliffe is, is rumoured to be back in so is Louis Thompson um, and Robertson as well so I don't think any of those three will start but I, I certainly expect them to be on the bench if, if needed um, and it's given the, given the other players a, a, a timely rest as well you know the likes of Joe Morrell and, and Williams in the midfield absolutely no excuses for any fatigue then Ryan not fatigue as such I think both sides can be forgiven for the flow of the game being a little bit chopsy in the first few minutes we haven't played since December 10th Cambridge haven't played since December 18th so I think in terms of being raring to go in the game both sides should have uh, their energy levels should be pretty high for this one I think the natural uh, ebb and flow of the game will be a bit disrupted in the first few minutes as obviously they haven't they haven't played together for a while they haven't even trained together for a while because obviously when COVID shut games down they've had to to some extent tell players to stay away from training tell players to stay away from any sort of uh, team bonding as it were and, and communicative union so there, there could be a quite an ugly opening few minutes as everyone gets their their mojo back but it should be quite an energetic game and going on to Thompson supposedly being back as alongside Tynercliffe and Robertson I think Jeff's right certainly by Cowley's comments it doesn't appear as they as though they'll start but January and February are going to be Saturday Tuesday game weeks for the whole of it we've got extra coming up in the trophy we've got to contend with you've got to replay the postponed games of Wimbledon away Oxford home Plymouth away you've also got to deal with the longest trip of the season up to Sunderland I think that's on the 22nd of January so we have a lot to do in Jan- we have a lot to do in January we have a lot to do in February the return of three important players to the squad especially Tunnicliffe and Robson who we haven't seen for ages while it may not be absolutely key tomorrow it will be key as we as we go into this fleet of games especially now that <laughs> as the as a new game of pool starts in the background so if if we have nothing to talk about in this podcast we can at least do co-commentary um it's a good game one that one nil up is the gentleman there i'll tell you what finish the, the guys playing this game some of the shots have been absolutely delicious uh, <laughs> i'm just hoping the uh, the cue ball doesn't smack me in the face at some point. <laughs> but yeah overall having robson and tonicliffe back maybe not tomorrow but there'll be such key additions as we enter a period of heavy road almost in a way having these games called off to allow them to get back so we can include them in the rotation for these games it may actually help us in a way because Robertson is supposed to be this club's captain Tunnicliffe is want to be uh, meant to be one of the only permanently fit midfielders we have obviously we, we know we have doubts about the general match fitness of Louis Thompson and I think Sean Williams you can see the decline is starting to begin so Tony Cliff, once we can get him back up to speed, you'd expect to see every week. So, yeah, uh, buckle in, everyone. It's going to be a long month or two. Yeah, Ryan mentions, obviously, the build-up of now, well, four games postponed, Jeff. That's a lot of games to catch it up is. with. It is. And, and, you know, it's going to be a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday for the majority of the season now. And, and games are going to come thick and fast. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about being out of the cup competition. And maybe that was actually a blessing in disguise. I think it is. You know, especially with these postponements that have, that have gone on. Um, and if any future games get get 
postponed again they're going to be shifted to uh to another tuesday because obviously there's only so many saturdays in, in in the rest of the you know this year indeed um Obviously, you look at the positives. Obviously, Ryan was just saying there's players back from injury, like we've and like you said, there's players back from injury. But I think now, if anything, surely January is so important, tra- you know, transfer window wise, especially with his build up of fixtures. <laughs> we need some more numbers. Uh, we do, and uh, urgently, we do. And you know, Cowley has said it's one in, one out. We knew that anyway. And beginning of the season, he said, judge him over three windows few podcasts ago I said I don't think we can really judge him in the January one um, however if he pulls it out of the bag and, and moves on the players that are rumoured to be moving on the likes of Downing, Marquise um, Harrison, maybe Jacobs as well, that frees up a hell of a lot of wage and, and it's got to be around 15 to 20k a week in wages freed up and I think the Cowleys can bring in some really good players but the key is You've either got to do two things, and we, we said this before, we said this many a time, you've either got to pay up the contracts and then replace that money into the playing budget, or you've got to hope that someone comes in and and is going to offer those players a good deal. You, you've, got to, you've got to make a decision one way or the other. What is it you want? And Ryan spoke about it quite often, about, you know, what is our, what is our ambition? What are our objectives for this season? And I think, I think, coming out of the January transfer window we, we, we will know one way or another what the club are expecting this season indeed and as you've probably seen Ryan the rumours are starting already obviously uh, Jeff mentioned a couple middle of middle pocket <laughs> <laughs> one um, the, the rumours already started obviously play, you know, players departing and there was a story going around about Ellis Harrison was attracting interest from Shrewsbury day later not anymore um, but you know definitely a player that you'd look to obviously Mark Quiz uh, Downing Harrison Jacobs like Jeff said we can free up at least it's got to be at least 15-20k a week as a you know good good, good, good bit of a budget to bring some what some Danny Callow's own players in yeah to this point so far most of the talk about budget reshuffling has surrounded the lone players this is a conversation that Cowley's been having with the press essentially since October saying we need to revisit the loan market in January because some of these decisions to bring players in have have just not quite worked out I think it's fairly obvious at this stage who's who he is referring to on that basis I'm I wouldn't even be I know everyone thinks of me as the rah-rah guy who complains about everything well you do I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be too annoyed if we didn't have an adventurous window because I know what the summer brings if we don't have an adventurous window I'm actually patient enough to accept that if we just rejig the loan market uh, in January and we give ourselves at you know at best an outside push for the playoffs you enter summer knowing that you've got free hold over who you know whomever contract you want to extend there was an article recently that several individual uh, individuals have already been approached saying you are not getting an, an extension at this club over the summer so they're already taking action in that respect i'm i've actually got the patience to say i, I don't want us to to make any foolish decisions i don't want us to overextend in january when you know that in half a year you you have so much going out of the door which frees up so much it's it'll be Danny Cowley's second full season but then he gets to build entirely his own squad and there's there's 
no other way of putting that. After this summer, he has had all the resources available to him uh, to make a real push of it. And I'm almost looking forward to that more than anything. That's why I'm almost relieved that 2021 is in the rearview mirror because you leave behind the legacy of the previous regime, the recruitment of the previous regime. You then head into this summer with such a large you know, war chest in terms of wage budget available to you you really get to if you play it properly you really get to make your move upon this league the thing is you have to do it from day one because we the day after the Accrington game at the end of last season when we missed the playoffs the day after or two days after came the article about Scott Twine and there was a month of you know brief flirtations before we dropped the entire thing I remember head desking for about 72 hours after we dropped our intros because I thought this is ridiculous. Scott Twine got Newport player of the season. He was only there half a season. He ne- he was dragging Swindon, a 21-year-old, kicking and screaming as close to safety as he could. So, you know, he was top goal scorer for, for half a year at Swindon. In that half year, he was there. He got Newport's player of the season. He was only there half a season. He's 21. He would have been one of the key priced assets you could have picked up in League One. And he was, he was snapped up so early. We've seen it again. We spoke about Dion Charles in episode two, who would be a good, relatively cheap player with League One experience that you could go after in January. Bolton snapped him up for 300k. L- lots of people shot me down after I said we should go after him, saying, now be close to a million with his record. Not when you've been out of your squad for half a season over a contract dispute and your contract's up this summer. You don't command 10 grand a week and a seven-figure sum if if that if you're in a standoff of your own club. You go for a cut price and a cut contract. The fact that this is the first time Bolton have bought anyone for, I think it's three years? Yeah, something like that, isn't it? And again, they, they, this deal was done before the window opened. Aki wanted him gone. So clubs around us, this goes back to what I was saying the other week, it's all well and good us being interested in players, but there are plenty of appealing suitors in League One these days. You know, we're not just up against the likes of Shrewsbury anymore for signings. There are clubs with as many appealing traits as this football club has looking for the best that League One has to offer. And ultimately, you, you need that to get out of the division. Whatever we choose to do, I hope we've already chosen it. We can't be in January right now choosing what we're going to do with January. Realistically, we had to have... And hopefully we have. I'm not saying we haven't. But hopefully, whatever we do this January, we agreed on it internally three months ago. Yeah. But you, you can't plan it on the fly. And I, and I think some of the names that have been rumoured that, that Pompey are interested in are, are being positioned ready for the summer. You know, they have got six months left on their contracts. And, and going back, you know, hindsight's the one thing you look back. I think it was two months ago and uh, a story came out about Andy Cullen playing hardball when it was at MK Dons and waiting to pick... I can't remember the name of the player they waited for, but they waited a season to pick that player up and eventually they, they, they got him. And, and I just think that's a story that was well-timed by the club for coming out to say, look, you know, we will wait for the right person. The likes of Butcher, Aki, you know... Um, the, the centre half at Cheltenham, all all those kind of players that have got six months left, say, look, we will give you a contract. This is what we're going to offer you. Come to us in in the summer. And like like you rightly say, I reckon those June July time we're going to see an influx of 
six, seven more players coming in through the door. So going back to what you were saying just now, Ryan, about um, you take a half, you know, say a half decent window in January. Obviously, looking at our league position now at the time of this recording, I believe I've just lost it. One second, we are ninth as it stands today. So would you take a finish now with a half decent window? Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely, because at the start of the season, and I said this, I said this on the radio, I've said this on this podcast. I've been saying all along we're a second six side. Where we are right now is where I predicted us to be, and as I said a while back, I don't have a problem with that. I think people at this point know what particular issues I do and don't have with the playing squad and the operation of the club. Us finishing in the second six this season, I have absolutely no problem with because I know what the potential is next season. I am patient enough to let that fly. That doesn't mean that if we get pumped 3-0 tomorrow, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's it's absolutely torturous experience being a Pompey fan, but that's just, you know, that's just heat the moment stuff. Uh, From an objective point of view, I I can wait this out because I I know the potential for next season if we play this sensibly and, and I think if we made one or two key appointments in, into the playing staff I, I think we could go I've, you know, I said eight for the long even the supercomputer came out the other day and said we, we you know it predicts us to finish eight from current form and everything else so you know one or two players could get us into that six maybe fifth position of the playoffs um, if we make it we make it great you know yes we've call, all called it a transitional season and like Ryan says, we don't expect to be rolled over week in, week out. We expect the teams to still go out there and perform. You know, if we got a, a, a striker who could add 10, 12, 13 goals between January and the end of the season, I think that makes a difference. I think Robertson coming back in defence, I think I think now with Ogilvy getting up to speed with matches and all that, I think the, 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 you know, the back three, back four, back five, whatever we decide to play, are okay now. For me, it's that centre-forward position, that auxiliary centre-forward, whether we play a 10, play harness in there, or bring someone else in, they're the two key positions for me going forward. I think on the subject of strikers getting goals, there seems to be a perception that you always have to play a certain way for your striker to be able to get those goals. The conversation we're always having is we don't play to uh, a goal scorer's strengths. I think that's complete tosh when you look at the, the state of League One this season. One of the league's top goal scorers is Scott Twine, who plays in a... You like Scott pl- Twine, don't you? Oh, I, think, I think he's absolutely... <laughs> he's got such a bright future. Yeah, he's fair. 22 and he's one of MK Don's top goal scorers. He sits in behind that front two really well. And he's in a he's in a heavy possession oriented system. But on the other side of it, you've got Cole Stockton who plays in a lump it long Morecambe. The reason they're not down already is because they score pretty much one of every two shots on target, which is obscene when you think about it. That eye for goal where you look at some of our strikers, they need eight chances. He needs two, and some of them don't even need to be in the opposition half. You look at who we're up against tomorrow, there were questions about who picks up the reins when Paul Mullen bafflingly 32 goals in League 2 but then went down to the National League for Wrexham. That's not baffling. Uh, <laughs> money talks, I guess. Uh, that, that Hollywood dollar dollar comes in hand, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the questions came in of who takes up the reins and his sidekick, Joe Ironside, as 11 goals already in 23 games. That's a 1-2 striker. Cambridge aren't exactly a, a footballing side. They average 43% uh, possession. 
And what little possession they do have, they're like sixth in the league when it comes to slapping crosses in the box, isn't it? So there are so many different ways to get goal scorers There's up to speed. We we don't really have an excuse for that. You know, someone was having a you know tongue in cheek dig at me about goal ratios the other day on Twitter, and I was like, I'm, I'm fully aware how goal ratios work. You know, we were talking about Marquise and, and um, Colby Bishop, not Colby Bishop, Dion Charles, and um, you said, well, their goal ratios are the same. Well. Yeah, there may be, but I think Dion Charles is more economical with his chances than John Marquise. John Marquise needs five, six chances a game to score that one goal in every three. Dion Charles probably needs four chances in a game to score that one goal in every three. So, so you can look at goal ratios as much as you want. It's about how economical you are with the chances that put in front of you. And if you actually look at Marquise's stats overall, I think he scored something like off the top of my head, 67 goals in 117 games. That's more like a 1 in 2.4 striker than a 1 in 3. But his all-round play doesn't doesn't suggest that he is a 1 in 2. He does need, like we said, he does need that 5, 6, 7 chances a game for it to go in. Where, where, does, you know, where does he stand for you now, Jeff? Obviously, there's rumours of him you know, being... put up for sale for, for, the, for the window now. Would you, would you like to see him move on? Would you like? Would you keep him? Personally, I, I would actually keep him. I think he's still, I th- you know, bit bit controversial, but I still think he's got something to offer. I think if you could offer, if you he can move out Harrison Jacobson down in, I think you keep Marquise in in the squad. Like, I've said it before. You know, he offers something. He, he does the high press. You take him out that out that starting position. George Hurst holds it up, and George Hurst is a battler. But John Marquise will press from the front and he will start that defensive work off from the front. So for me, I think he has got a role. You know, maybe if the pressure's off of him, we might see a goal scorer emerge we, again. We've said that so many times and that's I know the frustrating thing. Like. I know, but, but if you're going to lose him in January for nothing because you're going to have to pay his contracts up, you might as well keep him in the squad. Well, that's fair enough. I think when you're looking at Marx's, um record... I think you're looking at his Doncaster one, probably because that's that, <laughs> the numbers you put there for for Marcus a couple of minutes ago are almost bang on what he has for Doncaster. Here he's 37 for 121 games, which is about one a big drop off. Uh, what you know, a goal every sort of 3.5. So which is, is quite a drop off. I can't recall stats as good as you, Ryan. But I mean, the numbers <laughs> you got the numbers right. It was just. It, you got the numbers right. It was just for for Doncaster, but as Liam said, that's the drop off that's that's incurred. And look, in every single metric last season, we were a top six side. The only metric that we were a bottom half or a top six side. The only metric we were a bottom half side on last season were creating shots and converting shots to goals. We're pretty much in the same area this we season. We're one of the meanest defences in the division, which is extraordinary when you think about the injuries we've had, the players we've had to step in in back three, back four, constantly rotating around who, who plays where. It's extraordinary we've got all these clean sheets in the spite of that. And yet, in those metrics, we're still one of the best defensive sides in the league. I'm, I'm, we said and it. then it comes to shooting. We are we are pretty much exactly where our table position dictates when it comes to creating chances and then scoring. And, them. We, and we said it the last two, three weeks. You know, we are the we have the best stat 
in turning over the ball high up the pitch, in the, in the, you know, in the attacking third, and getting that ball back. If only we just had that striker who could put it away. And that's why I'm prepared to to let this season slide because there is a solid foundation upon which we can build for next year. You see it in what we're good at, and you see it in what we've been able to do defensively. We're not actually that far away when you look at it of building a side that can go from eighth to fourth, and then maybe fourth to second the the unfortunate aspect of it is goal scoring forwards are probably the biggest and the most prized commodity in the division and that's the thing we're missing that's also the thing we have to go out and get more than anything else and that's where again talk about many every single suitor in the league wants a goal scoring forward there is not a single side in the league that turns their nose up at a goal scoring forward certain sides of the league may turn them uh, turn their noses up at uh, marauding wing backs or ball playing centre backs you know not everyone has the same preference for that everyone wants a forward that can score goals that is probably the only universal desire for a singular position on the pitch yeah um, uh, we kind of kind of did, we did a half season review didn't we um, but we didn't really do a, a review of the year um, so we're going to do that now, Jeff. Um, 2021 for you. Progress or have we gone backwards? Oh, silence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's working out how to word this. <laughs> you, you've got to say we've gone backwards. And, and I think, you know, if you look at it from the calendar year and, and that playoff defeat, it, it's, that, that's when the changes should have happened, in my opinion. Um, so yeah I think we have gone backwards but sometimes you've got to you've got to take a step back take a look of what's what's around you take stock of the situation transition season Uh, well uh, you know it's it's a cliche that's been rolled out god knows how many times this season isn't it or over the course of the year but Danny Cowley well the Cowleys came in I remember Danny watching Danny Cowley on Quest Probably it was October, November before he came in, and 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 he said about he thought Portsmouth were the most complete team that season and could see us going up, you know. And he was saying that as a as a neutral at the time. Um, I, I I think when he got in in through the doors, I think he got a better understanding of what those players are. And this make no bones about it. That team after the Wembley performance, half of them down tools. Half of them knew they weren't. They were more contract. than capable. That team of getting. They were. Getting you, you know. the games surrounding that with the four-one defeat at Northampton, the two-nil home uh, defeat at home to Sunderland, where we didn't have a shot on target. Yeah, you, you're completely right. They, they, they're just down tools, and that, that, you know, professional footballers, they they've gone on to different clubs now. They've got better wages. They've got better contracts. It, you know, they've won out of this, but you can carry one or two players in the team. When, when they're kind of not at it, what you can't do is carry four, five, six players in the team because the other guys who are putting in double the amount of work to do that, to, to go through, um, and, you know, full 90 minutes carrying those players, it's just unbelievable. But it's... Then you go into this season. Again, we said it a couple of weeks ago. I think we had a couple of false dawns with the pre-season games. We beat Peterborough, and we beat Peterborough quite comprehensively in, in, in pre-season. Yes, it's a pre-season game. But we kind of thought, okay, we drew with Luton, we drew with Bristol City. We, we, you could see there was a team there, and then for one reason or another, 
we said this last week or the week before, it hasn't really clicked. I think the injuries come in and that siege mentality kind of developing in, in the team. We, you talked about Ogilvy against Gillingham, how he single-handedly basically was you know, the only recognised defender in, in that back three. How he dragged the team through defensively there. And, and it just, it's just talked about the Wiccan game. It built. And now I think the players... The players are believing the tactics. The players are believing in each other. Um, you know, we've referenced about being so-called PE teachers. Uh, yeah, so I would say we've gone back. But next summer, I, as Ryan said just then, I, I fully expect us to be a top four side. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. I think we have gone backwards. And that's no... Um, it's not a bad thing. No, it's not. And and me people may hear us say that and think, oh, that's a bit harsh on Danny Cowley. It's not not at all. I think you can see what he is trying to do here. And I'm really and if, if for me, we've gone backwards. Yeah, on the pitch, maybe in you know, um, you know, to where we were before. But I think we've kind of gone forwards a bit as well. Was obviously with a change of manager. For me, it needed to be done after that Oxford game. Um, but yeah, for me, that's where I, that's where I stand. Yes. I'm kind of like, yeah, we've gone backwards, but I uh, also believe we've gone forwards. In, and I think we've got a great, we've got like a great a manager. Cold spring, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for now. I'm going to surprise a few people, I think, and say I, I, <laughs> I think we're on an even keel. Okay. I think so many different things have happened in the past year where we've gone backwards in some areas, but we've gone forward in other areas that pretty much every single aspect of the club has changed within the past year, but I think it's weirdly evened itself out to the point where we're somehow... We haven't necessarily gone forward as a football club, but I think don't think overall we've gone backwards. Obviously, the backwards elements are, you'd have to say, the depth of the squad, the overall performances, You know, considering where we were last year at this stage to where we are now. Going forward... You have to give credence to the fact that we own the training ground for the first time ever. Um, as as much as we've highlighted some issues within the academy, we still have to we still have to praise the fact that we we have our training ground for the first time ever. We are doing work to the stadium. I know I've I know I've highlighted issues with the fact that we're you know we're going into renovating three quarters of the stadium with restricted viewing, but the work is at least being done. And under previous ownerships, for whatever reason, it hasn't. So in those elements, we've we've moved forward. In terms of the stability of the club, you come out of COVID and we're probably in a better situation than a lot of clubs around us. You look at clubs that are relatively secure last year, they no longer are. And that's something that permeates the entire football league at the minute. So we've come out of COVID looking better than other clubs do. But then again, the match day experience at Fratton Park and the match day experience that the fans get, the service that the fans get, whether it you know comes from being able to buy tickets, whatever, the experience and the relationship between fans and club has massively deteriorated in the last year for reasons that are both on a match day at Fratton Park or surrounding the club's administration in general. I think all of these things weirdly even themselves out where I don't think we've gone forwards or backwards but we've stayed even kill. The question that I guess is rhetorical at this stage because we have no way of answering it is is staying even kill at this football club a good thing? 
Staying even keel at a small club, or I don't want to say small club, that's disingenuous, a smaller club like Accrington, for example, where they have a small attendance. They're a small town essentially attached to the edge of Blackburn, eat what they kill. They're a community club. Not going backwards is, is a good thing for them because you would perceive their ceiling to be lower than ours in terms of what the football club's capable of. Is Portsmouth staying even keel for a whole year a good thing relative to another club in this division staying even keel for a whole year I think that's where a conversation comes in but I wouldn't necessarily say we've gone backwards I just have my doubts as to whether or not the fact that where we've not made progress overall whether it just you know it brings a seed of doubt but that that's a que- that's a massively loaded question I don't know, I don't know about you Jeff time. but I was, uh, I was sort of basing that on, on the pitch not off the pitch but <laughs> you've got to agree well yeah you know we've talked about the match day experience before um, you know ticketing issues it's been a constant hasn't it it's not just been one off it seems like every month there's a ticketing ticket issue in one way or form whether they're being sold early sold late um, it's it's you know season tickets not working. Um, yeah, Andy Collins got his work cut out. Indeed. Um, well, all the be- all the uh, all, all the best for 2022, Andy Cullen and Co. Then uh, we are well into that now. Um, so uh, next on the agenda. Uh, well, let's just look ahead to, to Cambridge tomorrow, shall we? I know we've sort of uh, briefly gone over it, but. Uh, like you say, four games postponed now. We, we kind of said already, no excuses really for fatigue or anything like that. But what are you expecting from Pompey tomorrow? What a shot. What a shot. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Ho- hopefully we're saying that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're saying that about Joe Morrell from 25 yards, we'll be okay. <laughs> uh, we're just shot. taking a break from this podcast to be <laughs> live, live commentary from the, Royal, the Artillery Arms uh, that pool dis- table. That was disgusting. And what a way to win it. Congratulations. Welcome to the Crucible. <laughs> Live in Sheffield. <laughs> uh, what a week we've had for sport. Nine darters, a great pot there. Oh, the darts has been an amazing watch. I've not enjoyed a world championship like this for a long time. I've been uh, I've been trying to keep tabs on it, but no, yeah, going back going back to anyway, Cambridge. kicking off here now. The baby's crying. Oh, Liz is kicking off. The pool table's going off. <laughs> um, Cambridge, yeah. What are you expecting from Pompey tomorrow, Ryan? I think, as I said, I think the first few minutes can be quite an ugly exchange while both teams get up to the fact they haven't played for a while. They probably have had limited training. I think once you get into the ebb and flow of the game, this is a this is a fixture where Pompey probably have to just look over their shoulders once in a while. Cambridge are a side that don't have the ball a lot. They get it out quickly to the likes of Charlo Tracy. Uh, Wes Houlihan they have George Williams the right back he knows how to put a cross into the tune of I think six overall assists he's got this year in league and cup they know how to get the ball north and south quickly behind the midfield bank and then they know how to find Ironside in the box to the tune of I think Cambridge score one in three shots on target again that's that's a brilliant conversion rate and Ironside without you know relatively feeling on scraps only one sign in the division has fewer shots than Cambridge and that's Doncaster who are dead bottom the fact that Ironside has 11 goals in I think Cambridge overall have had 200 shots and he scored 11 goals from Cambridge's overall 200 shots that's pretty good you have to admit so 
that's where Pompey just have to look out over their shoulders tomorrow because a lot of this game could be played in Cambridge's half. They defend quite compactly, so we could be expecting a lot of whipped balls into the box. But if you get the ball out quickly to the creators like Williams, Houlihan, Tracy, and that's where you have to start to, to think about just being careful of what's behind you. One of the things that annoyed me about the defeat to Rotherham was that we didn't tell Sean Raggett to man Mark Michael Smith the whole game. You've got one of the most airily dominant defenders in the division going up one of the most dominant forwards full stop, let alone airily dominant, but dominant forwards full stop in the division, who, by the way, used to play for us, and we've, apparently our fans thought was crap. But, <coughs> yeah. And we didn't tell him to man mark him for the whole game, even though we had a back three. So you could have told Raggett to run around, follow him step for step, and use your other two to just watch for the gaps that open up in between and mop that up. We didn't do it, and Smith scored within half an hour unmarked at a back post because Freeman wasn't watching. That's the type of thing that you would be able to negate or at least make hard, life hard for Smith if you have a man mark on him. Cambridge don't pack the box. They, they can't get players up the pitch enough. Ironside will at times be outnumbered three to one. If, if Cambridge stick with their 4-2-3-1 and we stick with our back three, Ironside will at times be outnumbered three to one. So what you do is you take one of the most aerially, uh, aerially dominant defenders in the division and just say, you stick on Ironside. I don't care where the hell he moves, you stick on him. And whoever are his off-shoulder partners tomorrow in the other centre-back positions, you say, you watch the gap in behind. If anyone tries to move into that gap, you marshal it. But Raggett has to stay in step with Ironside the whole game. Challenge anything that comes near him. Don't give him a moment to breathe because you will have the numerical advantage at the back. And Raggett, on that basis, would be able to give Ironside the fight of his life player me, we could, sorry, if, you, if you take away the biggest weapon it just makes life so much harder for Cambridge because outside of that their next top goal scorer has got five goals and he normally only comes in sort of as a replacement for Ironside or, or as, a, or as a, a late game sub they don't generally start together the pair of them so that's where Raggett stick with Ironside you follow him all over the place and I hope that's something we implement because I think that gives us an advantage it's gone from impressions to calling players weapons now Jeff um, a player that we could potentially see for Cambridge tomorrow we haven't seen him for a while someone called Adam May remember him oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, he's, I've just looked he started the last four games played 90 minutes in three and about 79 in another uh, he's got a goal in his bag as well. He'll be, he'll be, looking, he'll be looking to score against us tomorrow if he plays. He, he, he will, he, you know, and you he know, know he'll get some stick. He knows he it will, as well. He didn't get too much stick at Fratton Park, though, did he? Um, yeah, he has got a long-range goal in, but he, 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 for Pompey, he was just one of those infrequent players who you thought had ability. I actually liked him. It's an unpopular and, and, opinion. You know, don't get me wrong. When he first started, when he first came in into the side alongside Ben Close I thought there is a player there for the future and for whatever reason it didn't work out and then you know I don't I, I personally don't didn't rate him as a Pompey player towards the end um, you know his loan spells when he went out to League 2 didn't really work for him when he came back from Sutton he was a completely different player though I remember and I, I really rate him he played a lot of the cup games and we that, that's when I thought hold on we got a player here but yeah like you say it just didn't work out in the end. It, he's 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 another one that likes time and space on the ball. You know, if you can shut him down and hassle him, he gets he does get flustered. But you just know if he starts tomorrow, he's going to have the game of his life, isn't he? I think for May, it didn't work out for him at Pompey, but in his defence, I don't think that was all his own fault. Because the, the most playing time he got was in that 17-18 season when we were in League One. Now, 
a lot happened in the off-season there. The unexpected departure of Cook. Jacket comes in quite late. All of a sudden, you've got a lot of Cook's boys and then a, a sporadic number of Jacket's boys in there. May was in a team where you had Stuart O'Keefe, who is just is just so uninspiring as a he is a he is a third six League One midfielder. You know he's thirteen through eighteen kind of midfielder. He's just there's not much to him. Gillingham, he's obviously doing okay at Gillingham, but okay is pretty much his ceiling. You also in that side had basically a B Tech Ronan Curtis and Matty Kennedy, where. For the first two months, that cutting in on his right foot and whipping a ball to the back post was unstoppable. But once defences realised that's all he could do, they just took an instep on the edge of the box and shut him down every time. You also had, to end that season, Sylvanders Landers, Connor Ronan, loans that never really worked out. May was in a re- May was in a side that really was lacking in quality, changed around a lot in that first year. To be honest, I think that's still Jacket's best season because up until April, we were still in a playoff fight and finished eighth. But a lot of that came down to the fact that Brett Pittman was a B-Tech Dimitar Berbatov and would run 12 yards a game but would score twice a game. 28 goals that season. Eight, yeah, like eight that, bra- I think yeah. it was like eight braces, something like that. Ridiculous stuff. So it didn't work out for me, us. But I think that's when you look at the side we had that year, that, that was not a side that shouldn't have finished eight in League One. That... That side should have started, you know, in a double-digit position. So I think for May, that worked against him. I'm almost glad to see him back in League One because I, I think when you give him an honest chance like he had at Swindon, now he's got a Cambridge, you can see that there's a lot more to offer. I know people go, you can't be glad for him, he's a scummer. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what? Someone's, someone's, succeed, someone's succeeding in their job. You know, it's... That's just a good thing. In a world in a world that's been plagued by people worrying about their jobs and their livelihoods, it is what it is. Yeah, let's Someone- not get onto the subject of scummers and jobs, please. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, uh, obviously Ryan's giving his thoughts on, on obviously Cambridge tomorrow. What are you, how are you feeling? I think it'll be a, uh, I think it'll be one goal in it. Either be a two one or one nil. Uh, just for the simple fact, I, I don't think we'll be up to that match speed, match you know sharpness. Uh, but yeah, one goal. Yeah, more than likely one nil. Do you know what I am? Wouldn't say I'm buzzing for Cambridge away, but I'm buzzing to go to a game, and it's my first. Well, let's not jinx it. It's my first game back since. It's actually my first game back as a fan for almost three and a half years. We're going to lose two nil. Yeah, cheers, that, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, first league game anyway, you know, competitive game. I've watched pre-season games, etc. But yeah, looking forward to getting back on the on the terraces. Obviously, it'll be, it'll be an away game, but it'll be a good uh, good day out, Ryan. Looking forward to it. Oh, I'm, I cannot wait. I've been back to a game since everything happened with Express. That was the Morecambe home game, and then I was supposed, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was, you know, back at every game. Saturday, Tuesday, near, far, home or away. All of a sudden, Wimbledon gets called off. We've now got to do that on a Tuesday night, which sucks. Uh, Oxford at home Boxing Day that goes I was meant to go to Plymouth on the Wednesday night that goes I'll still be going to these games but I was just desperate to get back to an away game so I'm looking forward to tomorrow I still think Cambridge are weird Abbey Stadium's weird the away fans are giving the best stand in the ground 
to me that makes no sense that's like sticking away fans in the fratten end we'd never do that we'd never put scummers in the fratten end for an FA Cup cap oh never mind uh, <laughs> <laughs> I joke but yeah I, I cannot wait to get back to an away game tomorrow uh, yeah that's that's what it's about really just a quick one lads I'm just browsing through our Twitter we're over 3,000 followers we've done it finally have we? 3,010 that's mental thank you very much to everybody that's followed us on uh, on social media uh, it's going well and, uh, you, uh, Ryan's brought his partner with him and she's uh, actually blaming him for the uh, Wimbledon game being called off uh, yeah. is there anything you want to shed a light you want to shed a light there Ryan was it, was it your fault uh, I just don't think my partner likes me very much <laughs> uh, truth be told well, she just told me she can't wait for you to go tomorrow what time you said you said you're leaving at half seven or something like that didn't you half eight, oh, half eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking forward to it uh, right should we try and do a dub and din of the week because if, we, if you haven't got one I've definitely got one I have nothing prepared for this week all right let's give a dub of the week to the dart shall we because how many nine darters in did that did we do that last week oh, yeah, that we? Was my, that, when i said there was yeah, no podcast three now. to plymouth there's been three has there nine, one three nine what, darters is there one tonight then no but there's been three overall in this competition because there was willie borland on night one uh, there was gerwin price last and there was night. another guy the other day yeah, it's been three. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. There you the go. Dart, yesterday's games, though. Oh, my word. Brilliant. The darts has been extraordinary. <coughs> and uh, but yeah, double, double the week I put out yeah. the other day after the Plymouth game got canned that darts for getting on with yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, dinner of the week was that Plymouth lad who said that we'd, <laughs> oh, go, yeah. we'd yeah, go crying yeah. to the EFL to get the game called off, but then I, it was Plymouth players who got COVID. Yeah. I'd actually, uh, I saw something Neil Adam put out earlier. For, uh, I was actually thinking, could that be, be a contention for double the week? Um, oh, it was Sam Magri's <laughs> torn his ACL and, yeah, nice and ruptured it, and you know Pompey fans, being Pompey fans, have have rallied around. And so is the you know the Haven't fans, and they, they they've all chipped in money towards Sam Magri's um, yeah, nice one operation. So I think that yeah. that I, I for think me that's was a double the week. One. Yeah, all the fans that have chipped in. So double the, double the week. I have got a potential dinner of the week, and he's oh, sat next means. to me. Oh, oh right, this goes back to I was watching the Mars Singing last night, which I'm missing episode two tonight for. <laughs> <laughs> it's on record, so I'm watching it when so I get I looked in. on Facebook. I'm currently missing the darts and the NFL for this. <laughs> I put um, I just logged into Facebook. This is really poor um, contender for dinner of the week, but we're scraping the barrel here. I logged in and I saw on my top of the timeline Jeff Harris. Uh, it was his guesses for the Mars Singer. And it was like a fight. It, was like having, it, said five, it said five comments. I thought I'll have a look. Who's he talking to? No, himself. Jeff Harris has commented. Jeff Harris has commented. <laughs> Jeff Harris. He was having a conversation with himself. I'm just, I'm just putting my guesses out there. <laughs> Something my mum would do. My, so, my dinner of the week contender up until that Plymouth fan stepped in and, and nobly took it for us was actually AFC Wimbledon, the football club. <laughs> yeah, right. Because after after our game was uh, with them was called off because we got COVID cases, that was Wimbledon's second game in a row called off, neither of which were on them because I believe they were supposed to play Charlton beforehand and that got caught uh, afterwards and that got called off uh, because Charlton had COVID, uh, COVID cases. So Wimbledon put out this very terse sort of shots across the bow statement saying clubs should be sanctioned for deliberately... Uh, you know, getting games postponed, using the COVID circumstances to uh, postpone games because they're not ready for them. I don't think AFC Wimbledon have the moral high ground to take on this one. They're basically crying to the EFL saying, uh, we want to play football, we want to get on with playing football and we want to sanction clubs who are using, you know, circumstances at the time to get games postponed. 
Would this not be the same AFC Wimbledon that when the 1920 season was suspended at the outbreak of COVID were outside of the League One relegation zone on points per game and voted not to play out the rest of the season at risk of getting relegated? Uh, their vote was partially the reason the season did not get played out in the end and sent Tranmere Rovers down. So this AFC, Wimb uh, AFC Wimbledon club that's now crying about, we want to play football and we care about the integrity of the game. You voted not to play football and it got another team re uh, relegated. Oh, and uh, while you're busy being the darling victim club of the MK Dons outset, uh, who was it that kicked uh, Kingstonian out of their King's Meadow home after you bought the stadium off them and now Kingstonian have to share at Leatherhead about half an hour away. Would that not be AFC Wimbledon? Don't talk to me about footballing integrity Wimbledon. They're, they're just seeing it as an opportunity to take points off Pompey when they know we'd be at our, our weakest or, or oh, potentially yeah. weakest. They want to beat up on a weakened side. Yeah, which that's all it is. I can't blame them for doing that. I can certainly have a pop of them for crying to the EFL about it. You have no footballing integrity to stand on. I think on. we need a new feature, Ryan's, uh, Ryan's Bitch of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lads, um, not I a lot. There's a load no. of Tramir fans right now just going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because I annoyed them once. I won't say what I did. I'll, I'll tell you off, uh, off the podcast, but I said something on air and I had them all going after me. Oh, my. That reminds um, me of when we played uh, Sunderland and we beat them 2-0 at Fratton Park. I think it was uh, the season The season COVID broke out. And for some reason, Sunderland fans tuned into Express FM. Uh, and were why is he so biased? Yeah. Why, well. is, why is this Pompey station biased? <laughs> Morons. Every time I see a tweet saying, who's the most fickle fans, I straight away, I'm like, Sunderland. Well, out of there, I saw something yesterday out of the three heaviest defeats they've had. The team they want to get revenge on the most is Portsmouth. Have you seen how many how many tweets have you seen when there's like a flood or something? And like, oh, it's Pompey versus Sunderland. <laughs> get over it. I mean, that game should never have continued. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely but. not. But we won it. Sorry. Exactly. Who cares? Right, lads. Uh, obviously, not a lot to, to shout about comments wise. Not a lot's happened. Um, yeah, but we look forward to to Cambridge away. Obviously, with the time of this podcast, uh, it would be. Uh, this evening uh, or this afternoon so hopefully three points we'll be talking about that in the next episode and of course that game which has been <laughs> um, rescheduled about 7,000 times uh, the Exeter game on the 7th uh, in the EFL Trophy hopefully when it, when's that on a Friday that's it? a Friday Bloody night hell. Friday night football oh, Jesus. EFL Trophy lovely charming uh, hopefully we'll be I'm going about I, I, I just want to go to football at this rate you just got daggers for the misses there. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we'll be shouting about a couple of good performances. Good to be back playing football again. Uh, but like I said, lads, happy new year to all. And uh, looking forward to another great... Uh, not, it's not been a year. We've only done seven episodes. But looking forward to, to the future of three lads in the pub. Absolutely. I hope when we're sat here in you know, the, the first couple of days of 2023, we've got a great year to look back on. I know we uh, can be big, perceived big as... sponsor, you know. Pessimists or negative or whatever. But ultimately... More than anything, we want this club to succeed. There, there is absolutely no denying that. So I hope that we have one of the most prosperous years we've had in recent history. Jeff, have a good one, mate, and you. get well soon. And uh, you've been listening to three pessimists, sorry, three lads in the pub, episode seven. See you <laughs> later. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.